Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. We're glad that you're here today. We have a very, very exciting day. I hope you're planning to camp out from now until this afternoon. Uh, today is our, is our prayer uh, weekend, and we have Dr. Terry Teckle with us. Uh, Dr. Teckle, you can read a little bit about uh, him from uh, the bulletin there. He's is, is, um, uh, been a mentor from afar for me. I've read many of his books, and both Joy and I have developed our ministry and, 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 and emphasis and, and, and importance of prayer through through Dr. Teckel's work, and I, uh, I'm just glad that he is here. He'll be, he'll be speaking at this service, and then after uh, a, a luncheon, we will have uh, a workshop back here in the, in the uh, uh, welcome, or in the, into the worship area. So you're welcome to stay. Uh, we'll probably have the meal maybe 15 minutes after this service. It'll be downstairs, and I believe it's a free will donation. So uh, you're certainly welcome to stay for that. Just have a few announcements to make before we get into the service. You can see a lot of them listed there. Uh, one that I want to uh, point out is if you, if you purchased a wreath, Christmas wreath, and did not pick that up yesterday, that will be available after this service. Just go over to where the food pantry is in the new building, and you can pick it up there. Also, for... Uh, December and Christmas, we put together a special Christmas newsletter. However, we're not sending it out, so you will be able in the next uh, several weeks be able to just pick one up, and they're ready. They're they're sitting around. Just go ahead and pick one up if you'd like, and it tells about the different uh, things that are happen happening uh, during the Christmas season. And on the front page, believe it or not, we're doing six Christmas Eve services. Count them: six, three different locations. Six services. How in the world did that happen? <laughs> Crazy church. Uh, but yes, we're, uh, we're celebrating uh, uh, a lot on Christmas Eve. That's, that's re really exciting that we're able to, to do that. And, uh, one of the things we're, we're going to do is going to continue is as we look at, uh, prayerfully look at starting a church in Carbon Cliff, is that each year we have had a, had a Christmas Eve worship service. And, and Sean Easton has done it uh, for us in the past, but we're going to continue that until we start a weekly worship service there. So uh, that's where one of them will be. And uh, added to that is the French-English uh, speaking uh, Christmas service, which will be over at the Silvis campus at 7 p.m. You can, you can see the, the list there. So I'm excited about, about uh, what's going to be happening in the Christmas season, and you can read more about that as, as, uh, as you would like from the bulletin. <clears throat> Today obviously is about, about prayer and the importance of prayer. Uh, we, we try to have an emphasis each year that uh, will help teach us with prayer. And this is sort of a, a, a culmination of many years of desiring to bring Terry here to uh, um, the Quad City so that you could, you could actually hear for yourself. You know, many of you know that we uh, have committed to praying at noon uh, every day, and, and people will set their alarms to pray for noon, pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, you know where we got that idea? That man right there. He, uh, he's the one that encouraged churches to do that, and that's why we, we do it here. <clears throat> As we begin this, this worship service, I would just invite you all to stand and greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. Well, good morning, church. Today, um, I want to start the service with the way Joy started, give her credit, um, both services this morning, and that is to read Psalm 100. And uh, we didn't even know this, but the first 
song we're singing is from Psalm 100. So, I am, okay, Lord, I'll do this. So listen to Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. That's our song. Let's stand and sing. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. God is with us forever. 
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us approach you as the Father. When Jesus was asked how to, pr how to pray, he told the disciples, say, Our Father.
good to be in your presence this morning. And as the music carries our worship to you, Lord, listen to our hearts. Be present. Lord, touch our lives. We've come to meet you here with hearts ready to worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away, then I simply come, longing just to
Lord God, we do come to the heart of worship. We offer you our lives. I ask, Lord, that your presence, your Holy Spirit's presence be here in a, in a mighty and a profound way. I ask that you anoint Terry today to speak your word into our hearts. And may our words and our singing and, and our listening, our praising, may it all honor you, Lord. And may each one of us experience your, your Holy Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The kids can go back to where Karen's at right now. And as they are leaving, let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship by receiving, uh, as an act of worship, uh, uh, an offering. And let's pray for that offering. Lord God, we know that all that we have comes from you. So we now return to you our tithes and offerings and ask that you, you utilize these to, to make you famous, Jesus, in the Quad Cities and throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Darkness 
What if, Lord? What if what we're going through right here, right now, is truly a miraculous work that you are doing in our lives? Each one of us comes to this special worship time from different paths, from different situations in life. For some, it's been a difficult week. Seems like everywhere we've turned, we've We've seen frustration, and, and yet you've brought us here. With all of that, you've brought us to this point. And so we are eager to receive what you have for us today. We ask that you hear our prayers, that, and we know that you will answer them in the wisest ways. But Lord, we, you've also brought to mind those whom... We need to pray for. So, Lord, I ask that you, you hear these names as we pray for them. Lord, we know that you have heard these prayers, both spoken and those spoken in our hearts. And you are already about going about answering these prayers. We thank you and we praise you for that. And Lord, hear us as we pray together the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Christ Church, let's welcome to hear from Dr. Terry Tico. Dr. Tico. you to play. We can play it at the end of my message. Okay? Good. Thank you. Uh, I'm from Houston, which is probably the hottest city in America. Fact is, we have to give crushed ice to our chickens or they lay hard-boiled eggs. 
Matter of fact, I was out jogging the other day and I heard uh, the trees whistling for my dogs. Uh, I, I speak with time-released humor. Some of you will laugh. A couple days from now. But we're subject to hurricanes down there and they're very vicious. Fortunately, you live inland and you don't have that sort of thing. It just snows and freezes here. <laughs> but uh, we had one Harvey that was so bad that they had to evacuate thousands of people out of Houston. And the freeways were packed with people going north. And the fact is they had to evacuate St. Joseph's Catholic Hospital. And a nun got caught in traffic and ran out of gas. And so she walked up to the service station to ask for gas. And she said, ma'am, I'm out of cans. I have a little bit of gas left. And I don't have anything to put it in. And she says, well, I'm a nurse and I have a bedpan in the car. Can I use that? He said, certainly. So he fills up her bed can, or bedpan. And she starts walking down the side of the road with her bedpan full of what looked like gasoline. She gets up to her car and she starts pouring what looks like gasoline into her car. And these two old guys across the street were watching this. And one of them said to the other one, he said, you know, if that car starts, I'm going to become a Catholic. <laughs> I might well too. Um, I had one thing planned to preach, but I, I preached on something early this morning that I think I need to convey to you too, because uh, for some reason I came here uh, against resistance. Uh, I was getting ready to come on Thursday because I flew on Friday, and I found I felt so sick I had to go to bed and stayed in bed all day, and told my wife I didn't even know if I could fly Friday to come here, and normally that doesn't happen to me, but. Sometimes resistance stops me from trying to go somewhere to do something for a reason. And uh, evidently there's a special uh, destiny for this church. There's a special purpose for this pastor. And I think I'm here on divine appointment to say some things that this church needs to hear to, to get on to the destiny that this church has. And, uh, and there are churches that are like that, that are just set apart, that God's going to use in a powerful way. Because let me tell you all something. The best years of Christ's church are in front of it, not behind it. Remember the passage in, in John where Jesus uh, told him? He went to the wedding and made the wine. And the wine person said, you know, everybody else serves the wine worse, worse, worse or not the least wine first and then the best first and the least second, but you save the best till last. And I think God is in that business of saving the best till last. And the, the better years of this church are still in front of it. And, uh, and what we just need to say is we claim that and we want that. And we pray that our pastor will lead us in that because whatever God has for us, we want to walk in that. And, uh, grasp that destiny for our church and not miss out what he has. Uh, I remember one day I flew into Dallas. I was on my way home. I was so tired. I was laying there in the concourse and I fell asleep and uh, slept very soundly. And when I woke up, everybody was gone. The plane was gone. The uh, attendants to the counter were gone. And I was just laying there in that chair. I missed the plane. I felt so bad that I missed. I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. I don't want what God's going to do to move on and you not be a part of it. Uh, it's, it's very important that we receive what God wants for to have, have for us. And your pastor pastors are key to that in leading this church. And so uh, I've just chosen to, to make mention of what I said in the early service. If you open your Bibles to Exodus 17, you read in verse 8 that the Malachites, very warring, very angry, very uh, aggressive people, attacked 
the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out on, to fight the Malachites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hill, top of the hill, with the staff of God in my hands. Now realizing that staff is the authority that God gave him to lead Israel. So Joshua fought the Malachites as Moses had ordered. Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill, and as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. And whenever he uh, lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat upon it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other. Can't you just picture that? These two men holding up Moses' hands. And then it says this beautiful phrase, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. I love that phrase. Till his hands remain steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. What a beautiful example of the power of prayer. Three people determined the battle in the valley. Three people praying on the hill made sure that Joshua and his troops would win and the Amalekites were defeated. That's a pretty good example of the power of prayer. That two or three gathered in his name have great effectiveness. And by the way, while I'm here, let me just ask you, do you have football in Illinois <laughs> of any kind? What, when your team makes a, a touchdown, what do you, what do you say? Or what, how, how do you act when your team makes a touchdown? You don't just sit there and say, oh, that was nice. I hope they do that again. So let's make a deal. While I'm here, if I make a good point, I'm going to say touchdown. I want you to act like that in response to a good point. <laughs> I found a way to get Methodists excited. Uh, now, this, this gesture of lifting your hands was an Old Testament form of prayer. Moses wasn't a charismatic. He was just practicing prayer in Old Testament style. Uh, everybody lift your hands up like this. Boy, this looks like a major stick-up. <laughs> when somebody holds you up or puts a gun in your face, you hold your hands up and say, I surrender. Well, that's a gesture of prayer that Moses was offering. He said, Lord, we're outnumbered. These people are mean. These people are aggressive. We don't have enough troops. So I have to come to you, and over this situation, I lift my hands and say, I surrender it to you. We can't do this. See, the first step of prayer is to surrender, which is kind of hard for many of us because we're so independent, we're so accomplished, we're so smart. Now, how many people come to me and say, well, pastor, I've tried everything, let's pray now. <laughs> I said, why don't you come pray first? But we say, Lord, this, this son of mine, he's just, he's just rebellious. He doesn't want to go to church. He doesn't want to do anything that, uh, that we've asked him to do. He won't make his bed. So I tell you what, Lord, I just surrender my son to you, and I give him over to you. Or perhaps your finances aren't where they ought to be. Uh, every month you come up short. You can't simply can't make it. And it's really troubling you because you want college for your kids and you want better things for your family and, and maybe the economy's not what it ought to be so you just bring your finances and you lay them before the Lord and you just say Lord I surrender I can't make enough money we can't go on what we have so I surrender it to you I give it over to you because you're able to do far above all that I ask or even think Sometimes we need to bathe our mind in the ability of God and not the frightening of the problem or the situation that we're facing. Uh, that's a small touchdown. <laughs> God is able to surrender. So we surrender to him. Now, oh, put your hands out like this. 
This is so important in prayer. Many times we ask, but we don't stop to receive. And just after you pray, just to receive. Just sit there and say, Lord, I have a gesture of reception, so I just want to receive what you have for me. Because if you'll surrender, he'll give to you, but you have to receive it. Uh, Sometimes we're chronic askers, and we don't do very good at receiving. And it's a a two-way street. We not only have to ask, but we have to receive. Because he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. He said, James says in his, in, you have not, for you ask not. And so it's important that when we pray, we pause after we pray to say, Lord, I receive what I've asked for. I've asked for in faith. I believe for it. And therefore I will confess that it is mine and I, and I will take it. And, and not becoming just a chronic asker, but also a receiver of the things of God. He has so much he wants to give you. He has so many gifts and so many things he wants to bestow upon your life. He he loves you so much that he has so much to offer you. And I don't want you to go through life without it. So Moses, in behalf of the armies of Israel, received a victory that uh, Joshua was invoking there in that field or that valley. Now, the third thing in prayer when you lift your hands is what we call the invocation or the bestowal. Uh, I have a friend who is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the service, he will say this, and the grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you. Boy, chills just go down my back because I can sense his grace being poured out. May the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you and be bestowed upon you. And I can just feel the power of the Holy Spirit being lowered upon me and I being caught up in it. So when you surrender, you receive. And then sometimes in a situation, you need to bestow the victory of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the love of God. Uh, recently, I, uh, I was kind of down because I hadn't led anybody to Christ lately. And one of the most important things I like to do in life is introduce people to Jesus because I want to take pe- people to heaven with me. I have my boarding pass, but they don't. And I remember uh, driving by a funeral home and, and the Lord said, stop. I said, well, I'm not dead yet. I don't want to stop yet. <laughs> he said, no, stupid, go inside make a friend out of the director of the funeral home. So I went in and introduced myself, and I said, I'm Terry Takel. I, I pastor here in Houston, and uh, there's a bunch of funeral homes in Houston, so I left them my business card, and I said, if you ever have a family that doesn't have a pastor, call me. If you ever have a family who doesn't have a church, call me. And so he started calling me. They started calling me. I do one funeral a week of people I don't even know. I walk into a room of 200 people, maybe 100 people, maybe sometimes 400 people, and I don't know anybody. But I'm there to proclaim the love of God. I go in a little room behind, usually they have a little room for the minister to wait in, and I go in there and I sit there and I say, Lord, what do you want me to tell those people? You know what he says? Tell them I love them. And I don't want heaven without them. And I'll go in this, you know, sanctuary and I'll read some scriptures and I'll do a few things and say some things. And then I say, now listen to me. This is something God has told me to tell you people. And I lift up my hands and I say, God loves you. And I bestow the love upon them. Pushing back uh, self-esteem that's poor. Pushing back shame. Pushing back the fact they think God's mad at them. And the love of God. It's just like, it's almost as, it scares me sometimes. It's such a holy moment. Because God is so after those people. It's called reckless love. 
There's no lie he won't tear down, no wall he won't shake down. There's no, uh, that to get to those people because he doesn't want heaven without you. Well, in the last four weeks, I put on the table in the back of the funeral chapel the sinner's prayer, the prayer you pray to receive Jesus. And in the last four weeks, I've, uh, I've given out 400 of those prayers. Touchdown. So here I, here I was praying, Lord, I haven't led anybody to Christ lately. I'm just unhappy about that. And next thing you know, I've handed out 400 sinner's prayer cards <laughs> at funeral homes. Uh, it's amazing how God answers prayer. And that, that's the first step. And now many of them are starting to come to church. We could say in our services, how many of y'all came to church because of a funeral and hands go up everywhere? Because there's so many people out there that need the touch of God's love. And at a funeral, it's sometimes a wake-up call. Uh, two, two weeks ago, I, I did a funeral of a girl who's 34, killed herself. Last week, I did the funeral of a special needs uh, family that the grandson had a psychotic fit and killed the grandpa. And, uh, and these are sad things. And I, I don't even like doing those kind of things. But you know what? I'd rather be on the porch of hell than proud of preaching the sound of a chapel bell. I think God wants us to be where the darkness is, where the need is, where the hurt is, so that we can proclaim his love to people who don't know their love. This afternoon in the workshop, I'll teach you how to pray for people that need prayer. At least, I pray for at least two people every week somewhere in public, maybe two, two a day. Who, last week I prayed for two Chinese boys who had never been prayed for in their lives. I said, I want to pray for you. And they looked at me and said, what is that? And I tried to tell them about God. And they didn't have any idea. I said, well, I can't explain it. Let me just pray for you. And you could feel the love of God touching those boys. You see, we need to pray. Let me just apply this message. Not only do we surrender, not only do we uh, receive and we're ready to bestow, but uh, it's just a, an act of prayer. We need to apply that to pray for your pastors, Roger and Joy. Uh, I love your pastors. They are wonderful. And, and as I told them in the early service, one of the greatest uh, tragedies is a good church doesn't pray for a good pastor. They say, well, oh, he prays for me, but who prays for him? <laughs> and how important it is for you to lift his hands in prayer, just like they lifted Moses' hands, to lift one hand to pray for his protection, joyous protection, and the other hand to lift that God would favor them and bless them. On two hands, a hands of protection and hands of blessings. Once I went to uh, South America, I went to Buenos Aires. I preached in an unusual church, a church that had 13 services a day, seven days a week. They averaged uh, 20,000 people in attendance each day and 30,000 on Sunday. So I, I preached in that church five times. It's, you can preach as many times as you want, but that many services. And I remember uh, Saturday night, I was in the pastor's office, and then he came to me and said, you, you can't preach the next service because so many people are coming to Christ, uh, we can't conclude the service. You're going to have to do the early morning service. I said, well, I have one of those in Houston. He said, okay, be here at 1 a.m. That, that's not my idea of an early morning service. <laughs> Eight o'clock's better. So I drank a bunch of coffee, and there at 1, at 1, 1 a.m. in the morning, I preached to a church that's about three-fourths full. The reason they have so many services is because the room only seats 3,000. And, uh, and I had just bought a brand-new pair of shoes from Penny's. And so I got off the stage to go pray for people, and those people trampled me. They, they came after me because they wanted to be prayed for by a man of God. And they, they crushed my new shoes. <laughs> I, 
I kept them just to remind me what uh, revival's like. So after the service, I asked the pastor. I said, Pastor Hector, Hector Jimenez was his name. I said, what's going on here? I've never seen a church like this. He said, well, I'll come show me. I'll come show you. So he took me out, went around that wall, and that, down that hall, and behind that wall, there were hundreds of people laying on their faces, praying in tongues. It's a Pentecostal church. I felt like I walked into a beehive. It was humming. I said, what are they praying? He said, they're telling the devil to turn the lost free, turn the, turn the lost loose so they could be saved. And it was happening left and right. They were telling the devil, let them go. They belong to Jesus and our pastor's preaching to them and they're going to receive Christ. Kind of a singularity in prayer, but a powerfulness and effectiveness in, in what was happening because it was happening. Thousands of people were coming to Christ. And so we pray with favor. We pray, God, get that, give that favor to Roger. Everybody say that. Give that favor to Roger. Let Roger attract sinners. Give him a message for sinners. May Roger baptize so many people that he gets waterlogged. <laughs> we want our pastor to lead more people to Christ at this time than any other time because there's so many people in Moline who need Christ. Touchdown. And that pastor said something to me. I'll never forget it. He said, What's behind, what happens behind me determines what happens in front of me. And that's why it's important for people to be behind Roger and Joy, praying, not taking them for granted, uh, asking God to grant them favor and to bless them. Because see, that's the prayer of honor. When you honor, when you pray for the president, that's why trouble, uh, Trump's in, what's his name? Trump. That's why he's in trouble because nobody prays for him. Because when you pray for nothing, what do you get? Nothing. <laughs> and so it's important to understand the prayer of honor that when we pray, God honors, God says they're, they're honoring that leader uh, as opposed to saying bad things about them. You know, it's not easy being a pastor. He has to make decisions that makes people mad. He has to move a pot plant once in a while. People get mad. <laughs> Who moved that pot plant? It's amazing what people can get upset about in churches. Uh, and so, but you're behind him praying. And when people start gossiping or saying bad things about joy, uh, you just say, pray. Because the landing strip, the landing strip of the Holy Spirit is honor. I fly a lot. I'm always excited when we land on a, a landing strip. That's very important for a plane. <laughs> honor is the landing strip in a home. Honor is the landing strip in a church where the Holy Spirit lands because people are praying and honoring and respecting authority. So we lift up his hand to pray for God to bless him. Then we pray for God's protection. I started writing a book years ago, Prayed On or Prayed For, Prayed On, P-R-E-Y-E-D, Verse prayed for, P-R-A-Y-E-D. And it was a book about praying for pastors. And I didn't tell anybody I was writing it because there wasn't a book out there and I just knew it needed to be written. So I was writing this book. And as I was writing it, suddenly three witches started coming to church. There was a witch over here and a witch over there and a witch over there. <laughs> you know how you greet one another during the greeting time and say, well, hi, how are you? Fine, what are you doing here? I'm a witch. Oh, <laughs> Welcome, witch. <laughs> what are you doing here? I've come to put a curse on that pastor. I've come to put, a, all three of them come to put a curse on that pastor. Come to find out they were from a coven out in Welburn, Texas, and they had a satanic assignment to curse me in our church. 
I lost two of my associates because of it. I got the book written. People ask me, how much does the book cost? I said, you don't want to know how much that book costs. Because it's open season on pastors. People think they can say what they want to say about them. Do to them whatever they want to do. But they are God's men and God's women. And you just can't do that to God's appointed person because God takes it personal. How can you respect God whom you can't see if you can't respect him whom you can see? Be careful because he represents the authority of God. I know he's not perfect. Just ask Joy. Just ask Joy. (laughs) So we pray for his protection. You might take the full armor of God and just put, say, Lord, I'm going to put the armor of God on my pastors. There's some prayers for uh, these. I made these little prayer keys. These are small. These are 40 prayers to a key ring. I call them keys to the kingdom. They're short little prayers that you can pray. Uh, I call them Methodist prayers because they're short. You You don't have to pray very long. Are very hard because you have to consider who you're talking to. He doesn't need much to work with. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Lord, send music into my life. Let me worship you and praise you and inhabit my praise to run off all culprits with evil intention. Hallelujah. Amen. One's about Psalms 91. One's about Psalms 131. I keep these in my car. Before I go on a freeway, I read two or three of them. It wouldn't hurt to pray prayers of protection over your children. To maximize protection and to try to minimize bad things. Standing on scriptures that he's promised to protect you. So we pray for their protection. That God will keep them from any uh, attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's so neat that many of you are praying the Lord's Prayer at noon. We started that about 10 years ago at a radio station in Houston where we invited our listeners to pray at noon. And we started getting testimonies of people calling in as a result of praying at noon. And I'd like you to hear Angie. Angie called into the station one day And uh, this is her testimony. Young girl, probably 15, 14 years old. Um, I just wanted to tell you something. I'm going to try to say this without crying. It was the first time I had heard that on the radio, and I was on my way home from work, and and I was like, oh, you know, that's really neat. And I remembered immediately what my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, that in the Bible it says where two or more are united in prayer, that God is in the middle of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I put my cell phone alarm on so that I would remember to pray. So I put it for one minute before 12. And I was praying and I was praying for my family, for my dad. And I didn't know that as I was praying, three men with guns robbed my dad at gunpoint and took everything from him and took his truck and guy that had to gun him back of his head asked the other guys what do i do with him and the guys told him waste him and my dad said that at that moment he heard this loud voice that said run if you stay there they will shoot you and this was going on at 12 while i was praying for my family and asking god to take care of them because of me praying during the pray down that that was why my dad was not killed Mm. and i just wanted to let you guys know that and my dad called me yesterday to tell me that they caught the three guys and they were driving my dad's truck so they haven't been arrested wow man i'm glad you were praying angie i i am too I, I just I couldn't believe it when when my dad called me. He waited for me to get out of school because he didn't want me to get scared. Mm. And he told me that an ex and I asked him the first thing I asked him I was like, what time did this happen? And he said it was noon. Oh wow. <laughs> Angie, thank That's you good. so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're a blessing thank to us. Well, it's thank good you. to know, Dad.
Wow, isn't that a powerful testimony? These three guys were going to rob her daddy's tr truck. One of them had a gun behind his head and was going to waste him. And suddenly something said to him, run. Meanwhile, his young girl daughter was praying for him. And as he was praying, God intervened. And God saved her daddy from terrible something. That's the power of prayer. What I just played on that tape was the power of prayer. That when you pray, angels are put on assignment. When you pray, God sets in motion to reverse the enemy's plot. When you pray, God turns the tide in behalf of the kingdom of God. That when you pray, the difference is made. That's why it's so important to pray. Amen. Amen. Touchdown. Two points. <laughs> so thank you for praying. How many of you today would renew your commitment to pray for Pastor Roger and Joy? Oh, look at that, Pastor. Every hand went up. Almost every hand. Some of them went like that. So because uh, you get what you pray for. And if you'll pray for them on a regular basis, don't wait till a crisis. So we don't pray based on crises. We, base, we pray based on Christ, not crises. We don't wait for something bad to happen. We do premium praying. Before anything happens, we just pray. So thank you for renewing your commitment to do that. And, uh, and God's going to honor that. The purpose of this church is going to be fulfilled. He will carry out what he's supposed to do here because you're behind him. And what's behind him determines what happens in front of him. Well, I got in a cab in New York the other day and I said to the cab driver, I said, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the cab driver says, practice, man, practice. Practice praying, and you'll get to where you're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. If you don't come to the conference after lunch today, and you stay home and watch football, your team will lose. <laughs> I'm prophesying. But if you'll come this afternoon and see and be a part of this seminar, your team will win. Thus saith Terry. <laughs> Let's all stand together.
Christ in me. Continue the, the camp out here at the church and, and go to the meal and then follow that. We'll be about right back up here for uh, at least two sessions that he will do. Um, this is an opportunity to get serious about your relationship with God and about your prayer life. And so I encourage you to, to stay and be a part of that. He's out in the welcome area. He's got some resources on prayer uh, that uh, you might want to look at and also greet him out there. So as we go into this day of, of continued uh, emphasis on prayer, I ask that you go and share your faith with someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. Let him save them as he is saving you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God, shout it. Amen. Amen. Lord, I need you. Oh.